Lent is upon us, a season of repentance and renewal. Uh, and the three traditional practices of Lent are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. But today we're going to talk specifically about fasting and what pitfalls we face sometimes as we approach this spiritual discipline. So stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are both here, Sam Guzman and John Heinen. We are grateful that you have decided to join us today, and we hope you get a lot out of this episode. Sam and I have both practiced fasting. We have both failed at fasting and failed at fasting the way we want to fast, etc. And we're going to talk about all of that uh, later today. But before we get there, if this is your first time listening to us, please click that subscribe button on whatever platform you are on. We are really excited. Sam and I have just actively started to produce an ongoing formation membership program for men. It's going to be coming out later this year, but we are actively working on that every single week. And we want to thank our donors for making this reality a possible um, yeah, making this reality possible. And if you are interested in donating or thinking about donating, please head over to patreon.com slash Catholic Gentlemen. We get a lot of tears. We're really grateful for all of this that we're able to do to reach more men. And we just want to keep on doing that and this and you make that possible. So with that being said, let's jump in and talk about fasting. Sam, why do we fast? Yeah, fasting. Wow. So it's something that we all hear about all the time. Um, even in the secular world, you hear all this, these buzzwords about intermittent fasting and things like that, but in a spiritual context, how do we approach it? Like, how do we approach this discipline that is so ancient? It goes back to the very earliest days of the church, and it's been a part of Christian practice for, for centuries and centuries. And yet in the modern world, it can be easy to lose track of the purpose behind it. Um, and, you know, as with any spiritual discipline in the modern world, the modern world tells you, you have an appetite, satisfy it. In fact, you, uh, I was driving down the road the other day and there's the, you know, these fast food restaurants have these signs that are like, you know, craving this, satisfy your cravings. And like, uh, that's just kind of the message of the modern world is like instant gratification, you know, like Amazon two day shipping is too slow. I want it same day. And so we kind of bring the same attitude to the spiritual life. Like, I want to be a saint now. And if after, you know, maybe a week of struggle, I'm not a saint yet, then I just give up. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so we can bring this instant gratification mindset to spiritual practices. And with something like fasting, we want to see results. Like, like you know, make it, make it happen. Make me feel better. I mean, like, I want ecstasies. I want, like... And I don't know. I don't know what people are expecting, but they bring this attitude of kind of a instant gratification. And I've done it, too, where it's like, oh, I'm going to fast. This sounds so holy and so pious. And then I start fasting. And the minute my stomach starts rumbling, the minute I start to start craving a treat or, or you know, a snack at you know 2.30 in the afternoon, uh, it gets really hard. And then you're like, okay, why am I doing this again? Like, yeah. like, what's the benefit of this? Uh, and, you know, if you're foolish, you give it up at that point. Uh, but if you persevere, um, there can be some tremendous spiritual payoffs, as the saints remind us constantly 
where it might not be something that you see right this second, but it's still very real. Uh, so, yeah, we just want to talk about maybe some of the, the dangers, the pitfalls, the, the challenges that we face with fasting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's something that is worth talking about as we go into the season of Lent and people are thinking about what should I give up, if anything, you know, and, and uh, uh, yeah. it's, it's a conversation worth having. Yeah, I totally agree. And you kind of hit on everything I think we're going to touch on in this episode uh, right there in that uh, succinct statement. So I appreciate that. And I love your comment about Amazon because I saw an Amazon truck drive by my house yesterday and it said, warning, colon, happiness might be found inside. And I just prayed for all those people (laughs) that feel that uh, whatever uh that their their happiness is found in the material possessions that are are coming to them from amazon and now with amazon connecting with whole foods maybe that possession is food and that's what we're talking about today so i agree i think it's really important when i start thinking about fasting and i do i have to remind myself this three or four times a year uh why do we fast and and we fast not because possessions are bad or because the world and food are bad but they're actually good and in fact they're they're so good that sometimes we prefer them over god right and so we have to constantly reorder ourselves and i i have you know saint paul who talked about um in in philippians right their god is their belly you know their minds are set on earthly things and i think that's so perfect for what we're going to be talking about today and i also said to myself when i was thinking through this is how my pendulum in fasting has swung on both sides right so i have fasted um and done so successfully out of very boastful and prideful and like self-affirming reasons outside of god when i didn't mean to but my nature set in and then as i fasted for 20 years or so a couple times a week i start nibbling around the edges so to speak right where like uh i'll be preparing for dinner and in the process of eating my you know normal meal every day i'm actually eating a dinner while preparing for dinner and now i've had two dinners and then i justify it and you know in that format well you know you you gave up breakfast and and lunch and and stuff like that so i do think there's a lot of pitfalls uh, in particular there are right physical psychological and spiritual pitfalls that that i hope we can spend some time talking about today yeah, so I mean, the first pitfall I really want to highlight is is kind of what you described of successfully fasting with the mindset of uh, kind of a stoic, um, uh, I'm going to be a Superman sort of mindset where I'm perfectly in control of myself and man, do I feel good about that, you know, like, and you see this a lot too with kind of the, the uh, secular health culture where people uh, get very self-satisfied when they, you know, man, I hit the gym at 4 a.m. this morning. You know, I, I drank three gallons of water by 9 a.m. You know, I, I intermittent fasted and like, and like, wow, like you're really impressive. And yeah, aren't you know, I'm pretty impressive. And like, we can kind of bring the same mindset of like, I'm going to be a super saint. I'm going to fast. I'm going to discipline myself. And along the way, I'm going to look down my nose and all those lazy, pathetic Catholics that, that don't fast, like, oh, those yeah. poor souls, you know, like just so consumed by their appetites, you know. But meanwhile, I, you know, I, I had I did a four day bread and water fast uh, last Lent, you know, and and uh, 
creates the exact opposite of what fasting is intended to do and and, yeah. and creating a sort of self-satisfied pride. Now, we're very good at deceiving ourselves. Like, probably nobody's consciously thinking what I just described, but it can creep in there. It does. It can creep in there. And I've seen it in myself. You know, when I first became Catholic, I, I'm not going to lie, I went way overboard with ascetical practices. Like, mm. I was so happy to have found, like, a framework for asceticism and self-discipline that I went, like, all in. The problem was I got really grumpy. Yeah. I wasn't happy and joyful and free. That's for sure. My wife started to get really frustrated with me. She's like, oh, you know, honey, I made uh, chicken casserole for dinner tonight. I, I'm sorry. I'm fasting from meat today. Mm -hmm. And 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 like just in uh, it can very easily become something immoderate, uh, yeah. which uh, has all kinds of negative consequences so this kind of like superman mentality that can creep in unconsciously unaware is where we're like um seeing ourselves as like a desert father or something you know uh can be very subtle but also very dangerous to the practice well and I, you bring up such a good point because i actually when i first started practicing fasting in college i didn't have a spiritual director i just knew jesus christ stated when you fast don't be like the Pharisees, you know, and but he said when you fast, right? And I think that's really important. He didn't say if you fast or, you know, on occasion, it just said when you fast, we are we are required to fast. So I just picked up and I don't know why I created this, but I did seven saltine crackers before the sun came up and seven saltine crackers after the sun went down. I, I made it up. I don't know why I didn't have a spiritual direction. I had splitting headaches throughout the day because i i don't know why i just thought like you know what i'm gonna fast like uh saint anthony of the desert or saint paul the hermit or something along those lines and these guys you know birds brought bread to them and so i'm gonna require it of myself and it was this sort of superhuman mentality and i would i would pray a lot throughout the day so there was that benefit i was feeling the pains in my stomach and the pains in my head but Again, it was it was overboard and it was absolutely um, a pitfall. And so I would say one thing to avoid that pitfall, physically speaking, is to prepare for your fast. Prepare in the sense of I know that I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat X and I'm going to do it like this. If you have a spiritual director, which I strongly encourage you to do, find that spiritual director and work through it with them. I saw a meme not too long ago that said uh, I was a doctor talking to a patient with like a big beer belly. And that doctor said to him to start with fasting, let's not eat in between meals. And like, that could be the first step. And that can be incredibly virtuous and incredibly worthwhile. And the church only has two days of fasting uh, required on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. I'm, I'm Sam and I are big proponents of fasting weekly and more frequently, but Let's start somewhere and um, and then another pitfall physically, because you just brought it up, Sam, is talk to your wife, right? You owe it to your wife and her dignity and in love and in caring and in unity with her to let her know when you're fasting, especially if that fasting is going to inconvenience her, not because you're a grump and you have got a ways to go and your emotional connections, but 
especially, yeah, if you're fasting from meat or if you decided to choose a full meal at lunch and you're going to be skipping dinner or skimming down on dinner, your wife has a right to know that, um, I would say, before the day you do it. Um, and uh, and those are two ways to avoid that pitfall of um, you know physical failings there when it comes to fasting. Yeah, and uh, just what I think you said what is really important about having a spiritual director. Um, and I know like for people who maybe want one, it can diff- be difficult to find a spiritual director. But have some outside voice in your life that you trust that can that can give you advice that you take seriously if you don't have a spiritual director. If you can have if you can find one and you do have one, by all means, uh, if nothing else, just next time you go to confession. Talk to the priest about it in confession, you know, and maybe get some advice there. But the point being, like. There's there's something very holy, I think, in in that practice of obedience, maybe even if it's uh, something we want to go further. Like, for example, uh, I noticed um, sometimes I go to confession and the priest says, pray one Hail Mary and one Our Father. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that is just so wimpy. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to pray like 15 decades of the rosary or something because I'm really feeling, mm-hmm. you know, contrite or whatever. Um, but actually, I think what 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 um the lord says in scripture you know like god prefers obedience rather than sacrifice yeah and i think that if if a, if a spiritual director a wise spiritual director says you know what john i don't want you to fast on bread and water today i want you to start by moderating the meals that you already have and and stop eating before you're full like that's that's the best thing I want you to do, mm-hmm. and you're like zealous. So you're ready to go. You're like ready to go all in and and um you know have one meal a day or no meals a day or whatever. Yeah, and it is. I I firmly believe God is more pleased if you obey a wise spiritual father um, and, instead of going and following your own will. And doing something much more seemingly much more um, uh, extreme isn't the right word, but something much more zealous, um, listening, obeying like that is very wise. Such a great point. And and honestly, I just found it real quick because St. Alphonsus agrees with you, right? And I brought this up on other episodes, but I'm going to just saw it right now. I'm going to bring it up in his uniformity with God's will. He says, mortification, fasting, meditation, receiving Holy Communion, acts of fraternal charity are all certainly pleasing to God, but only when they are in accordance with his will. When they do not accord with God's will, he not only finds no pleasure in them, but he even rejects them utterly and punishes them. And the man who follows his own will independently of God's is guilty of a kind of idolatry. Instead of adoring God's will, he, in a certain sense, adores his own. And I think we can like that directly to obedience and that it's it's even it's it's beautiful actually where we can have a spiritual director or you know somebody that we're accountable to that that guides and directs us and we just we just listen and we we follow even if it's against our own desires and our own will and i think that's such a a really important thing to remember so sam what about the psychological pitfalls or do you have something else that uh regarding this this physical yeah, I, th- I would say another one is is uh, kind of in- 
inconstancy or like um uh, uh fasting in is so infrequently that it becomes a shock to your system mm. in a way that is unhealthy to your soul. Uh this is something that I think Father David Abernathy, who we've had on multiple times, is is very wise when he suggests this. Uh more than once he's he's recommended it. But but this idea that like uh not just fasting periodically like well once a year for four weeks during lent i'm gonna fast and then the rest of the year i'm not going to and then when lent comes around it's just going to be so shocking to my system that i'm going to give up like yeah. a weekend um and i think this is something eastern christianity uh in byzantine, byzantine catholic uh and yes our eastern orthodox brethren like they preserved this mentality that Christ christianity is actually like an ascetical religion uh it's it's not something that is all about your comfort uh but then you know once a, once a week for or i mean once a year for like four six weeks we get all ascetical all of a sudden like it doesn't make any sense like where does lent come from like all year long we're just kind of satisfying our own desires and then lent comes along and then we're all of a sudden like practicing all these ascetical practices no like prayer fasting and almsgiving are not lenten disciplines mm. they're christian disciplines yeah. that should be practiced all year round um and honestly you know uh, not not a, to get on the whole topic of liturgy or anything but like wow like if you go back to what they were doing even a hundred years ago it was way more ascetical and way more like sacrifice was just built into the Catholic life. Yeah. You know, you, you, you didn't uh, eat uh, from midnight uh, before receiving uh, Holy Communion. Holy Communion, yeah. Um, now it's like an hour. So it just, you know, like it, it, it's, it's essentially meaningless. But uh, there were lots of fasting days. You know, uh, there used to be an Advent fast that began um, after the Feast of St. Martin in November. They would go all the way up to Christmas and it yeah. made the feasting of Christmas that much more meaningful. But again, I don't want to get off on, on, on liturgical nuances, but my point being like Christianity is an ascetical religion. Yes. It's a religion of, of self-denial, essentially, uh, as Christ told us, like, take up your cross and follow me. And obviously there's lots of room for joy, lots of room for feasting in the Christian life. But there's also a sense in which, you know, we do, uh, are, we are called to self-denial and imitation of our Lord. And and I think that's that's something I want to touch on a little bit later, I think, when we get to kind of some of the um, uh, the purposes of fasting. But yeah, um, but I do think this pitfall of fasting so periodically that when you do fast randomly, seemingly in, in Lent, it makes no sense. And you, you kind of resent it because you're not doing it any other time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And I, I'm grateful for you bringing that up because it can be like that with any abstinence or mortification that you put upon yourself. And it should be done throughout the year. I particularly love Lent because of the prayer, fasting, and almsgiving and the aspect that we can really focus on that communion with Christ. And I think I just feel called to bring that up the primary purpose of fasting, and I, we're going to go into all the different reasons why we fast later after we get through these pitfalls, but is to communicate more effectively with God. 
I mean, and and remind yourself that constantly that scripture, the church fathers, the Holy Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church has told us that fasting is a means to communicate with Christ and to grow in that holiness with him, our ultimate love. And I think that's so important. And actually, it, it leads me to that kind of psychological pitfall that we can fall into is when we do fail. So say you are just starting this. Congratulations. We're both encouraging you. You you need to start this. You should definitely be doing this. But be aware of your own failings and be aware of, you know, I, I think it was Devin Shot on a recent episode or another episode said something along the lines of, you know, when when you start fasting for the first time and you're quickly hit with your pathetic fallen human nature, don't be led into despair, right? And I think that's another one of those, I think, psychological pitfalls here is that when you do nibble around the edges or when you do fail, um, to be led into despair instead of thanksgiving. And I Absolutely. think that's a really important thing for us to reflect on is that falling into despair because it didn't work out the way we wanted it to work out. And there's spiritual pride in there. There's pride in general in there. But there is a lack of humility, but there's also a lack of thankfulness. And so, Sam, if you want to talk a little bit, you being such a great mental health counselor and everything about how we approach that that feeling of uh, despair if we fail or that feeling of spiritual pride if we succeed, right? It can go in both directions. Yeah, I, uh, I want to say kind of paradoxically, I think despair is a good thing. Because I think one of the chief purposes of fasting is to take away your confidence in your own will. Uh, you know, it's actually okay to stumble a little bit if instead of a prideful, like, oh man, I'm so pathetic. Like, that's actually an inverted form of pride. But if you do stumble and you do come face to face with your own weakness, and it drives you to further confidence and trust in God, then good. Right. <laughs> then Absolutely. good. Um, but obviously it just depends on how you respond to that. Because if it if it's this moment of, yeah, self-pity. Self-pity. Um, yeah. You know, uh, just, sh you know, shaming yourself, attacking yourself, criticizing yourself. That, that's completely defeating the purpose. That, that is a form of, of pride um under the cloak of of you know berating yourself but really i do believe and and it is very difficult to talk about these things without kind of getting into the purposes of fasting so i'm just gonna Great. just gonna say right out i think one of the purposes of fasting is to weaken our own will and this goes yeah. back to uh the obedience factor like it's not about you it's not about what you want to do um it's about coming face to face with your own inability your yeah. own um powerlessness to control things um because i think as long as we have a sense of safety um that we can manage life that we can manage the spiritual life that we can kind of push the right buttons and maybe control god a little bit and get him to respond the way we want him to respond um, you know, I just press press my rosary button and I get what I want, or I just, you know, press my confession button and I get what I want, you know, but at the end of the day, it's all about what you want. 
Um, and I think one of the purposes of fasting, again, is, is I don't want to belabor this, but it's to come face to face with your inability to control the spiritual life, to manipulate things, to control things, to uh, manipulate God, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think in that sense, failure is always a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but it's how you what you do with that, how you respond to that that makes all the difference. Yeah, no, I agree with you very much. And I would say that, yeah, falling into self-pity or wallowing in self-pity is something that I've fallen into many times. And I have found that when I accept that humbly and realize, wow, you're right, Lord, if it weren't for your grace, if it weren't for your guidance, <laughs> I, I can't do anything. And when I've approached it like that with a certain degree of thankfulness for that reminder of my weakness it has only helped me appreciate fasting and appreciate christ more and i know you you brought up uh one of those purposes of fasting and it goes all the way back to psalms um where david he he said when i humble my soul with fasting and i think that's and it's uh it's in Psalms, uh, Psalm 69, I think, where he says, when I humbled my soul with fasting, right? Like he knew, he knew as the man after God's own heart that he had to actively do this and kind of expected that humbling to happen by fasting. And I think when we approach it with that understanding, it's only going to be all the more fruitful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that kind of leads to um one more pitfall that i want to discuss and that's just making fasting an end in itself mm. i mean really any spiritual discipline can become an end in itself um and, and i saw this kind of a, a lot of the time with uh when i was a protestant and the way protestants approach scripture is often like the bible is an end in itself like i got up this morning and I read my Bible for 30 minutes, you know, box checked, awesome. And, and really losing sight of scripture is to lead us to Christ, like communion with Christ. It's a doorway to uh, encountering our Lord in a, in a very intimate way. Um, and likewise with, with the rosary, like oh, I set this goal for myself that I'm going to pray the rosary every day. And I pray the rosary every day, and I just feel so good that I did it. I checked my box for today. Yeah. But it's not an end in itself. It's pray the rosary for, fast for, you know, like, what is the for? Like, what is the purpose underlying why we're un undertaking these spiritual disciplines? So that would be kind of the, the last one that I want to mention is just making fasting an end in itself. Well, why are you fasting? Well, to fast. Well, no, <laughs> like that's missing the point. Yeah. Um, Without a doubt. And I, um, I, I could, that's actually when I first started fasting was exactly that. And for many years, if I'm being humble, like it, it wasn't, it was many years of fasting once or twice a week with that kind of end in itself. It's like, well, when is something going to change? Like, am I doing this to lose weight? Like, what's the, I'm just, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And and when am I going to receive this lightning bolt from God that, you know, uh, sends forth me in a new direction? And, and actually, that's kind of my last pitfall that I wanted to bring up before we talk about some of the benefits. I'd like to talk about presuming on God. I think that's 
something that I have experienced when I start fasting directly related to the benefits that scripture calls out that saints and church fathers have called out and benefits is like, okay, so if I fast, then God is going to do this for me. Mm -hmm. And that danger is is a pitfall. So when we go into these benefits of fasting, I think it's important to remember that keep an open heart and an open mind to when fasting, God revealing himself to you in a way that only God can and not a way that you expect him to or want him to or, um, you know, again, playing God in that aspect, because when we come to fasting with that open heart, and that open door, we get to encounter the God of eternity, the God of history, the God of love, and not necessarily I fast for this reason, and therefore God will give me this. Now, one little meat caveat and not not to confuse, but it can be very helpful in reminding ourselves of these benefits of fasting. And so reminding ourselves of these benefits or fasting for this intent or fasting for reparation of our sins, you know, all of those things are good and meritorious, but we have to be sure not to be too close-minded and and limiting of God who is the unlimited. So that's the last thing I wanted to talk about these pitfalls. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, it's, uh, you could say, well, why worry about this at all? Why not just fast? And like, why, why do we have to like watch out for these pitfalls? And, and I think part of it is just, um, the human heart is very complicated and we can do things unconsciously, uh, and think that we're doing them for the right reasons, but we're really not. And all of the saints recommend an inward glance, an inward gaze, you know, St. Ignatius most famously with his, you know, a daily examine, multiple times a day where you're just kind of reviewing your own heart. Why am I doing What am I doing and why am I doing it? But awareness is so powerful. The more aware you become of your own motivations and kind of the unconscious forces that are at work in your soul, yeah. the less power they have over you. Um, and so it, it's worth, it's worth taking a look and saying, why am I doing this? Uh, and what is, what is the purpose of this? Uh, it's a very holy thing to do. Um, but I guess just, just switching gears to some of the, okay, if those are the pitfalls, if those are the false reasons for fasting, what are the right reasons for fasting? Like, what is the purpose of fasting? Uh, according to kind of the wisdom of our church, um, in, in the spiritual tradition that we're, that we, um, that tells us that we should do this in the first place. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. And. I would just add, I we've already talked about one of them, so that's the easiest one is humility. Fasting yeah. opens the door for humility, and we need to be humble before all so that we might love all as God intended us to love. And so the more we can increase and grow in humility, the better men we will be for the world and for society and for our family and for our friends and for those in need. And the more Christ can actually use us as an instrument of his grace to the rest of the world. And so first and foremost, that, that benefit of humility is, um, is right there in front of me at all times. So. Yeah. And I think humility too, like, is is something that's often very easily misunderstood but but the way i want to frame humility 
it's not like this degrading like self-loathing like just kind of again wallowing in how pathetic you are like it's not that's not humility i think the way we look at the saints is what the lesson of the saints lives is there can be two approaches to the spiritual life one is to be holy we need to add a lot of things to our soul like Mm. You know, we need to add this practice and that practice and, you know, this devotional and this prayer book. And like, if we add enough things, we'll reach a critical mass upon which point we will become holy. Uh, But what the saints life seem to show us is it's actually the exact opposite. Holiness is a matter of subtraction. The more you remove, the more clutter is removed from your soul, the more, you know, impure motivations uh desires resentments uh are removed from your soul the more god shines forth uh, and you know you look at like the the saints uh like saint francis he was like this it was kind of like this mad drive to just get rid of as much as possible that was in the way yeah uh, and then god god's love just radiated forth you know, and and our problem so often in the spiritual life is not that there's not enough there. It's that there's too much. Like, mm. so if we can begin kind of stripping things, stripping things away, desires, cravings, yeah, you know, lusts, uh, greed, resentment, hatreds, like, then the grace of the Holy Spirit can shine forth from our hearts uh, the way it was intended to. Uh, think of it like the clouds party, like, yeah. you know, there's like this barrier between us and God uh, in our soul. And, and, and the purpose of asceticism is to kind of strip away all of those forces in our soul that are in the way um, so that, that God's love can shine forth. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think another benefit of fasting worth talking about comes straight from scripture as well in Daniel, that um, it it clears a pathway to God. And by that, he stated, then I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him in prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And, and that great sign, right? We've got an emptiness within us. We've all heard this. And boy, do you ever feel it when that emptiness is the grumbling of your stomach uh, because you're hungry. <laughs> and it can be that good reminder of that emptiness within us that only God can fill, that emptiness within us that only um, Christ and and his saving grace and his love can fill for us. And honestly, that's one of the greatest joys of fasting is just that reminder, especially in our time right now where noise is everywhere and we feast constantly, we feast on, we feast our eyes, we feast um, uh, our social media um, news feed you know, where we're we're eating up more content and more content and sound bites and and things like this. And all of this stuff is is clouding our room and our openness and our ability to hear the voice of God. And so fasting allows us to turn ourselves towards God in that active self-denial and that active growth in um in holiness that we are all striving to do. Yeah, amen. And that actually is a perfect segue to kind of the 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 next benefit that i want to talk about and that's just that fasting for lack of a better way to say this disturbs our 
ordinary consciousness you know yeah mm-hmm. if you picture like you know there's a cross behind me if you're watching this on video but if you like picture like a cross there's like this vertical dimension to our to our soul it's it's like this upward thrust of our soul like we we're made for god like you're saying like we're made for communion with him and as long as we're like trying to satisfy that with everything else um we're never going to get to that point. But there's this the point is like what St. Augustine said, you know, our hearts are restless till they rest in you. Like there's this, this hunger in the heart for God, but there's also this vertical dimension of bills of putting gas in the car, of going to work, of taking care of your family, like just this day-to-day ordinary existence that can very easily become all consuming. Uh, and so that's like this ordinary consciousness that I'm talking about of like, well, I paid the bills, I paid the mortgage, uh, I spent some time with my wife, uh, you know, I spent some time with my kids, uh, fall in bed, uh, the day is over, um, and tomorrow we get to get up and do it all over again. And, you know, again, Amazon shopping, you know, holiday, like Super Bowl. We just had the Super Bowl not too long ago. Yeah. You know, we're like this ordinary world, this world, as you know, the saints and scripture talk about this, this term, the world. That's what they're talking about. It's like this ordinary vertical gaze, this ordinary consciousness where we're just focused on making it to that next meal, checking off that next chore and being consumed by that mm. to the point where we ignore this vertical dimension, this hunger in our heart for God. And the good thing about fasting is that it takes something very ordinary, eating, <laughs> that's a, that's usually a part of our day at least three that's times. Right. And it disrupts that mm. to the point where you kind of are knocked off balance. You're disturbed a little bit. And the question arises, is there something more? Like it kind of disrupts this ordinary flow of life by taking away a very key component of it. And by doing that, it it opens the horizons to something else, to that vertical dimension that our soul really does long for. Um, And that can be a really powerful, powerful benefit. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I think that's exactly the mindset that we need to have while we are approaching fasting. There's that openness and that possibility because we're putting ourselves in this mode and we are intentionally choosing this over what our body naturally desires, right? Man was not made for hunger, <laughs> but but we uh, we can experience such great fruits in that hunger. And um, and I think that is was so well stated. The last thing as a benefit that I wanted to talk about, and this actually goes back to that episode with Father David Abernathy in the in the teens or maybe even earlier, um, I'm not quite sure which one, where he just talked about the Desert Fathers fasted um, for to communicate with God effectively. And I, I just, ever since he said that, it's been something I've been growing in and something I've been understanding is that I can actually hear the voice of God if I have an open heart and I'm not presuming on him to respond a certain way, but it's the way that scripture has shown us. And so we have both Moses and we have Elijah, both of them fasting 
for 40 days before they went to go communicate with God. We have Anna the prophetess, right? Before she was able to see Christ, right? She was fasting, it says, as she was preparing and purifying herself for that moment of, of intimacy and, and literally connection with, with Christ our Savior. And we see, you know, Christ, who obviously didn't need to purify himself, but he showed us the example when he went out and fasted for 40 days in the desert as that example. But this idea that the only way that we can adequately and um, I'd say beautifully or appropriately or um, worthily communicate with God is through that act of purification that fasting can bring upon us. So that for me is something that I've been reflecting on for a couple of years, thanks to Father David Abernathy and something that has really opened me up to this desire because I do desire to communicate with Christ, right? I do desire to know him who loves me beyond all else and unconditionally and to be able to hear that voice. And when the church fathers and the desert fathers uh, and scripture just reminds us that that act of purification can be brought upon with uh, the act of fasting. I'm I'm willing to do it and hopefully do it better each and every time. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that, that's it's such a great point. That this this communion with God that we're really seeking. Like, and if you lose sight of that, fasting makes no sense. Um, and so that the. The last, the and the last one for me too is, it's a holy use of free will. Uh, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us uh, is free will, uh, and it is one of the most godlike attributes that we possess, in the sense that animals have no free will. Like if a dog is hungry. He's going to eat. If a dog, you know, wants to chase, you know, the squirrel, he's going to chase the squirrel. Like there's there's no space between impulse and action. And for us, it's different. We have this very holy ability to. Yes, we have impulses. We have kind of those animalist appetites, if you will. Like we get hungry, like um you know we want to reproduce like we have like all the same kind of uh instincts that animals do the difference is we also have a capacity to to reason to love uh and to choose mm -hmm. and animals don't have that and so one of the beautiful things about fasting is it's something that we can take uh, this beautiful gift of free will and use it to say no to those lower appetites that aren't wrong in of themselves, but sometimes they they need to know that there's another order of values that we're operating by beyond the immediacy of pleasure, safety, you know, enjoyment, all of those things that kind of our, our lower nature tells us are important. And that media, advertising, you know, uh, entertainment world uh, are telling us are the only important things in life. And we're taking this free will and saying, all of these forces are coming at me, telling me that the most important thing in life is safety, pleasure, you know, entertainment, all of these things. 
But I'm going to take this beautiful gift of free will that God has given me, and I'm going to use it to say that, no, my life operates on a higher plane. I choose consciously a higher order of values. Uh, and what what could be more beautiful than that? To say, you know, no, advertisers, you mm. know, like, your sale is not the most important thing in my life, even though that's what you want me to think. You know, no fast food restaurants, like satisfying my cravings is not the important, most important thing in my life. I choose love. Like I choose God. Like I choose self-sacrifice, self-denial for the good of others. Like, and I'm going to do that freely. No one's making me. I'm doing that. And, and, and like, what could be a more beautiful use of this divine gift of freedom that God has given us uh, than to, in a sense, freely lay down our freedom uh, in the service of God, the, the values of the kingdom of heaven, rather than the values of the kingdom of this world. Uh, and to me, that's that's maybe one of the most important purposes of fasting. I love it. I think that's great. I Hopefully our listeners have gotten something out of this episode worth the value. I think we should make like a one, two, three, four. When I put it in the show notes of all the different things that we can jump to these, I think that was great. Well stated. So um, we're going to end this episode with kind of the wisdoms of the saints, right? Uh, where we're going to uh, read a quote and then offer our two cents uh, and associated with that quote quotes that we appreciate and we are uh, looking at and uh, digesting currently. So Sam, you want to give us your quote first? Uh, sure. Yeah. Was, um, I love this one from St. Basil the Great. True fasting lies and rejecting evil, holding one's tongue, suppressing one's hatred and banishing one's lust, evil words, lying and betrayal of vows. And I think it's so important because if you, maybe you're diabetic, you can't fast at all. You know, maybe, maybe fasting is like physically not possible for you, or maybe for whatever reason, you just, you can't. Yeah. If you do nothing else, fast from sin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of the point. Like fast from those destructive habits that of soul that just drag us further and further away from God. Fast from those things if you do nothing else is no point in fasting from food. If you're meanwhile criticizing and tearing others down, if you're harboring resentment in your heart uh, and hatred for your brother, um, there's, there's no point. So fast from those things. And then your fast from food will be really meaningful. Amen. I love it. So my quote is much shorter, but I like that one a lot is uh, St. John Climacus, another desert father. He stated that fasting makes for purity of prayer. Mm. And what is prayer after all, but that conversation with Christ. If you're unaware of that men or women who are listening, prayer is conversation with Christ. And that is the goal of prayer. And that is what we're trying to do. And as we've already talked about in this episode, fasting enables that more beautifully and more perfectly and more godly 
within our our conversation with him who loves us and we should love more and more and grow in that love. So that is my quote for today. Well, awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, I you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you have an opportunity in Patreon, uh, if you're part of our community there or on YouTube, um, in the comments, like we'd love to hear your thoughts too on, on fasting and, and, uh, kind of what, what, uh, has made it, um, a, a beneficial practice in your spiritual life. Uh, and maybe, maybe some of the pitfalls that you've found and, and, and how we could avoid those. We'd love to hear from you. So. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. And as we like to end every episode. Be a man, be a saint. <laughs>